Good morning. Uh, I'm pretty thrilled to see so many of our confirmands here. We had a great day yesterday, didn't we? And uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to embarrass you. Your first name again? Josh. Josh. Josh's son Keaton read the uh, reading, our first reading, and uh, it was indeed a tongue twister. Uh, in, our, in the book of Acts, the apostles are going through an area of which is now modern-day Turkey, and they had some interesting names. And um, he nailed every one of those names, so obviously he had practiced. So congratulate him when I, when I see you, when you see him again. Um, we see in our first readings all during this Easter time are all from the book of Acts. And in Acts, Paul and Barnabas and the other apostles and other disciples had, there was one common theme that ran through these readings. They all encountered some type of suffering. In our reading today, it's that Paul says, it is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And the scripture says he was exhorting them. Uh, earlier in this 14th chapter, we see a few of these hardships. Um, at Iconium, Paul was basically chased out of town after having a successful gospel crusade. In fact, they wanted to stone him, but he, uh, he got word of it, and he, he split town. So he moved down to Lystra. Well, in Lystra, they caught him, and he was stoned, and he was dragged out of the city. They pre presumed he was dead. But then the disciples of the city came to him. I don't know if they came and he was raised from the dead, but they said they surrounded him, and he got up. And you know what he did? They said, this is, this is great. He got from that place where he was stoned, left to die, got out, went right back into the city where he was stoned. Whoa. Was he a glutton for punishment? Well, he seems to embrace these sufferings, St. Paul. In his second letter to the Corinthians, he lists these hardships. He says he was, he, five times he received 39 lashes, there's something significant to 39, but I'm not going to go there. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. And he was stranded on the open sea. Paul said he was threatened by bandits. He was threatened by his own countrymen, by the Gentiles. He tells of danger in the city, danger in the country, and of being hungry, thirsty, sleepless, freezing from exposure, and to top it off, I don't know, this might have been the worst one. He had the stress of overseeing an early church with a bunch of out-of-control crazy Christians. And we complain we may have a tough week. And in the same letter, Paul, though, answers the obvious question of why. He writes, for the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compelled him to get off of that state, lying dead, left for dead, to go back into the same city because his love for his fellow Christians, for his disciples there. In this type of suffering, Jesus talks about in, his gospel, in the Gospel of Luke. He says, when we are hated, 
when we are reviled, when we are excluded and called evil because of our faith in Christ, we are to be joyful because great will be our reward in heaven. And as faithful Catholics, we are called to embrace what is often called this apostolic suffering, suffering for your faith. Often we talk about suffering also. There's another type of suffering we run into. One of my favorite modern-day Catholic theologians is a, a lady named Mary Healy. And Dr. Healy is a professor at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit. And in her book, Healing, Bringing the Gift of God's Mercy to the World, she addresses suffering, redemptive suffering. This suffering, often of a physical nature, can have an incredible value for those in Christ. And our Catholic tradition has shown us that it can be a great source of grace for others. But suffering from sickness, from physical and mental illness, is not always to be embraced. In fact, throughout history, the Catholic Church has a record of building hospitals, clinics, and other ministries to alleviate suffering and to cure the sick. The church encourages those who are afflicted and suffering to seek help and the blessing from modern medicine. We all should be very open to receiving healing from our natural doctors. But how about seeking healing from the divine physician? The Gospels say eight different times that Jesus healed all the sick. And he commissioned us to do the same. At the end of Mark, he tells us that the sign of a believer is that they will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. It's really, it's, it really does our hearts good, Father and I, to see so many families and children here. As the, um, raise, I raised four children and with our four children, this is a rule and this is maybe for some young families. When our child would get sick, before we would go to the physical doctor, we would say a prayer to the divine healer first. And many times, that child would not have to go to the doctor. So in our spiritual walk and our development of our children, we taught them the power of the divine physician. And it's a simple prayer. It can be extemporaneous. It can say, Jesus, heal my child. And that not only will the healing come, but it also be establish them as they grow up to look to the divine physician themselves. Sometimes, though, both natural and supernatural efforts don't seem to work. And we have our loved ones, ourselves, we suffer. Dr. Healy says, don't waste the pain. If you're in a hospital or someone's being stuck sick at home, it's a great time to pray, especially for those in need. One can offer their sufferings in union with Christ, especially if they offer it with a specific intention, if you can think of others who are suffering and lift them up to our Lord. A difficult, seemingly useless phase of one's life can actually be a time where abundant fruit is born. 
A good final question about this, though, is how does one navigate the process of determining how to pray for or to continue to seek medical care for someone who is suffering? Here are a couple points to consider to help us discern when to stop praying for healing, if ever, or to change the way we pray for healing. We all have Holy Spirit in us, and he will give us a sense of when it is time to change prayer. Look for it. Settle yourself down, clear your mind, and say, Lord, how do you want me to handle this? The book of Hebrews says, It is appointed once for a man to die, and then after this, the judgment. As we encounter maybe those at the end of life, a prayer for grace to meet the Lord would be more appropriate. But God will give you wisdom on that. And also, you have the church to help. You have church teachings. You have spiritual direction available. Please do not try to do it on your own. But on occasion, in my own healing ministry, I come in contact with those who feel that God doesn't want them healed. They may say, I'm offering it up for those who really need the healing, or I'm offering it up for those souls in purgatory. I'll ask the question then, do you feel closer to our Lord in this state? Do you sense God's purpose, peace, and joy in these circumstances as you say that? And if so, one can be brought in to share Christ's passion, be given the privilege of participating in his work of redemption, and God can be given honor and praise. In conclusion, remember, when we are persecuted for our Catholic Christian faith, Jesus teaches us to embrace this apostolic suffering as he calls us blessed and great will be our reward in heaven. But as we experience, or those near to us experience pain and suffering, we are called to respond as Jesus did when he encountered sickness. Jesus responded with healing. But at the same time, we are to value, value the redemptive suffering for those called by God and to recognize the effectiveness of their prayers offered up so that the Lord will be glorified. Amen.